Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear on Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. It's a football Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and we got Chris Black in the building with us. Training camp's over. We got to review what we saw at training camp. Our biggest takeaways, biggest letdowns, previewing this game versus the Titans, and then we finally can give a real grade somewhat, right? You got to wait and see it, but on what we think that Ryan Poles did this offseason, at least heading into the season now. All that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Black, how you feeling today, man? What's up, Pat? And listen, it's like we say this many times in the fall, heading into the fall. Football's back. But like, <laughs> here we go. This is our first football Friday. Yeah. We have a game to uh, talk about tomorrow. We have uh, uh, actual film to kind of break down as fans. So, like, this is it. The season is here. The weekly routine will kind of hit the flow for the next couple of weeks. I'm ready. I, I'm excited to see what the Bears can do against the Titans tomorrow. It's so interesting because I just can't wait for the Sunday of overreactions. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, hey, it's Sunday and uh, the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields threw four passes and he completed one of them. Um, wow, this is not looking good already. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I always get excited for after the preseason. But at a minimum, training camps come to an end. What was your biggest surprise as we're in the first quarter? We're bringing the quarters back, baby. Y'all was asking for them. We just, there wasn't much to talk about. We didn't have four quarters worth of stuff in the offseason. What do you want from us? Uh, in the first quarter, what was your biggest surprise? What was the thing that got you most excited coming out of training camp, the player you saw? I would say Tyler Scott. Um, we've kind of seen in the NFL the last few years that you can find wide receivers almost anywhere, but it's almost this idea that wide receiver, uh, playing wide receiver in college, you could have the skill set, but it takes some time to acclimate yourself yeah. to the NFL game. And I think the, the, the thing that I really uh, appreciate and look forward to this, to the season is that we have a rookie in Tyler Scott who rave reviews almost all of training camp yeah. and he's going to be a young player he doesn't have to necessarily perform right away for the bears but if he does what an added bonus that could be for this offense so i think the reviews and the expectations on a rookie player coming in who seems to be grasping the offense which has taken time for some young players in the past at that position I think it's going to be cool to see him play. I'm really excited to see what he does against the Titans and throughout this preseason um, kind of three-game set because yeah. if he goes out in games and impresses, like now you're talking about a situation where Ryan Poles has assembled possibly four reliable wide receivers for a quarterback that was going into games last December with guys who were starting who theoretically are your fifth and sixth <laughs> options, right? And that, to me, is really... Equinamius is a generous two. That's what I'd call him. You know well, I mean? <laughs> you know, EQ St. Brown, he's a good player for, for his yeah. abilities. Heck of a blocker. I love that he commits to the run game. I think that he's a nice football player. Well, let's call it what it is. Yeah. He, he, at best, is a four or a three yeah. on a team with good wide receivers. 
So if somehow Tyler Scott at some point, as far as a pass catcher, can pass him and move into that fourth spot, that might be really good for the Bears offense. And then also I would say defensively, the reviews on some of the young players kind of just like stepping in like Stevenson, just being a guy who can kind of hold his own in practice. And then the two tackles uh, who are both rookies. Essentially, Pat, we've only heard positive things from the young players, which is pretty uh, encouraging because in the past, that hasn't always been the case, which leads me to two, two ideas. One, Poles is getting it done in the draft. And he's picking players who actually can play. And then two, the coaching staff is coaching up these guys, getting them ready to yeah. go. And so like that, that to me is uh, my takeaway from training camp is that it seems as if the young players are ready to contribute. Yeah, Not start, not be stars, to contribute. And I think that's a good starting point for a team that won three games last year. No, 100%. It allows it. We're seeing Ryan Poles start to build drafts on top of each other. This is his first yeah. opportunity to do it. And it feels like, at least at this point, right, we're seeing names that feel like he's going to be able to do that successfully. Tyler Scott, to me, when, when Matt Eberflus talked about him, he talked about him as a guy who he gets it, so now he can use his speed because he knows where's, where to be. He can play faster. He can attack the game a lot faster. And when we had Tyler Scott on the podcast, yep. he talked about how his senior year of, of uh, college, his ankle was torn up. Yep. So everybody was just like, he can't play press coverage. Nobody's looking at that. And having him on our team now, having the Bears go out and draft a guy like him, what that told me was somebody did their research on this kid. They were like, he didn't just forget how to play press coverage here. I think we've got something here. And it's like what they talked about with the Patriots, right? They didn't go out and get the best players. They got the players that fit their system, fit what they needed. I think Tyler Scott just fits a need for this team. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to bring. Yeah, fits the system. And then it's like the element of you're not a finished product when you enter the facility. Yeah. Like that's something. He's not that George Pickens. Let's the, not. La the <laughs> last, you know, the last few uh, regimes of coaching, it, it felt as if. Guys did not get better. Yes. It feels that if there's one thing I'm I'm fairly confident in with this coaching staff is that players are getting better, no matter who they are. If you're Cole Komet, a vet who now signed a new contract, he got better last year. 100%. I, I think there are guys on the roster, and like that is the key for getting this team out of the basement of the NFL and now into that second level of average to competitive. And then hopefully we can like set our sights next offseason at let's compete and win. Let's win a championship. Let's yeah. get to the final four, the championship weekend. Let's let's win the division. Like that, I think it's a really nice start at where they're at right now. And to to your credit, right? Like the point that you made on how the players are getting better, to me, that speaks to hey, our coaching staff's getting better. Yeah. Remember, these are all first year guys last year. Matt Eberflus, rookie head coach, Luke Getze, rookie OC. I literally, I, I was talking about this on the breeze the other day, and I said it took Luke, everybody's like, oh, it took Luke Getze six weeks to figure out how to utilize Justin Fields. It's like, of course it did. He didn't have Justin Fields. He didn't have a guy like that. He didn't know how to call plays for a guy where he can use his legs and get out and create space and different things like that. And he's trying to figure that out, like you said, with wide receivers that are fours and fives on other teams. Right. And I kind of look at it as I wouldn't blame Fields or Getsy for that. Yeah. Like it is possible. It took six weeks for Getsy to realize that my quarterback's not getting any help from yeah. any of these guys. Yeah. You know, right? Like, uh, yeah, 100%. because, but one, once we go into week seven, 
Uh, I believe that's right around that that's New Patriots England game. Patriots week, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. The offense was different. Yeah. You and felt it. The quarterback played differently. The play calling was different. It looked like a modern NFL offense. Yes. With, uh, you know, I don't want to diss track uh, any of any of the guys who were out there, it's but like you, can, you, you know, throw it out there. you know, they were, they were filler filler players. Yeah. You know, they they were they were bench level guys. You know, at some and Justin just didn't trust them. To me, that was the thing that's it's how the, could you? Though? It's the, it, uh, you can't. But you it was, I, I said I've said this probably two three times on this podcast. Justin had his Smush Parker moment when Kobe said, "Why would I pass Smush Parker the ball? Yeah, he's gonna miss." like why would i give you the ball when i know you're gonna miss i'm taking all the shots i feel like that's what justin turned into last season and he just had a bunch of guys who one weren't in camp with him two he couldn't trust during the season because how many times did we see them drop the ball and three right like i think that justin fields just had to come to a point where he was like okay i've got to kind of trust the system but also trust my instincts and you couldn't do that with matt Nagy's rookie rookie head coach matt Nagy was like trust the system it will save you even though it had never saved anyone well, it was also crap play calling too. So I mean, like that's the thing that I picked up from Getsy. You know, you could say at the start it wasn't working, but Getsy knows how to um call something that then later he builds upon the thought, or that thought that was early was only to manipulate you into yeah. not understanding what's coming at you later. Like I think Getsy's pretty good. And that's where this season it's pretty exciting because year two of a quarterback in that system, I think sky's the limit. And it's like you said with growth, right? To me, the one thing, the biggest surprise, I have two really big surprises that that I've been on. The one is, the one thing we've seen consistently is Justin Fields taking the underneath stuff. Justin Fields would not take an underneath to save his life. Now, there also weren't a ton of underneaths that were thrown <laughs> last season or that yeah. were called last season. So yeah. it's like I said, it's growth on both parts. But to me, seeing him go, all right, I'm going to just dump this off to Cole. Even yesterday, dumps it off to uh, uh, um, Mercedes Lewis, and, and it turns into a nice gain for him. I, I like to see things like that because now it's Justin Fields not saying, I need to just make the biggest play of the game right now. No, I just need to move the chains. We just need to get another first down. And if, if he does that and gets to the 20, now as a defense, I'm sitting here like, yeah, I got to worry about his arm, but Jesus Christ, what, what if he takes off? Well, you know, <laughs> last year, I think also for Justin, it should have materialized in his his uh, his mind that he doesn't have to win the game on every play because at some point there will be an opportunity where he's going to make a play that could win the game yeah. if you're just hanging around. Yeah. We saw that in the Lions game, in the, the Dolphins game. He breaks those plays for the runs, for the touchdowns. Those weren't like, they didn't have to happen in, in the first quarter. They were, as the game went along, the defense gets tired. A cornerback takes a, a bad cut trying to stop him near the line of scrimmage. One move gone yeah you know and and that type of thing that's the type of thing that a quarterback like justin fields needs to realize that he just needs to stay in the game stay in the competition to keep those plays uh available yeah right like you don't have to do that in the first quarter third and long when nothing's there right dump it off yeah find uh tanyan find lewis find Cole Komet, dump it off find a uh, herbert out of the backfield and wait and wait, he's got game breaker speed 
wait for that opportunity to come because he he it's sick how good he is as an athlete and he's almost a better athlete than like 95% of the players on the field so just wait for them to make the mistake and then take the opportunity yeah the other surprise for me that I do think is going to be an asset for him coming into this season Famous Jones in training camp listen there's there's a go find it there's a highlight tape out there that somebody made and it said the things that need to have needed to happen for the bears to get the number one <laughs> overall pick three of the plays are Valus jones fumbles on punts <laughs> and just That's how you true. just how you couldn't use him last they, season they lost the giants game because of that because of they that they the commanders that. game they commanders lose because game, of that yeah. you know what they i mean they could have won that and so there's so many but i've been one that i was like he's he's an older player you can't trust him i get we're trying to develop him but he's he's going to be 27 by the end of this season, I believe, and he's he's the second year in the NFL. You got to show me something that's game breaker. In training camp, Bayless Jones has surprised me, not just because of the kick returns and punt returns, but the Bears have actually been able to put him out there on routes, and he's been able to catch the football and come down with them. The Bears have been able to use him on those gadget plays a little bit. And to me, if he can combine those two things in game, if you can go out and get that deep shot that he caught last season every now and then, yeah. now when – when uh, Luke Getzey wants to put him out there, I can't just go, oh, Bayless is on the field, gadget play, yep. and everybody plays up. Right. I think that that could be a real asset for the Bears coming into this season, and I I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how Luke Getzey's going to be able to use him if he's able to continue to grow in what we've seen. I think step one is he has to make the team. I think, I think it's still Pettis up, might I, be out of there. I think it's still up for debate. You yeah, but so? – but, we still got a long way to go with that, too. The, the think, wide receiver cuts will probably be the last one. Yeah, and I think that's one of the intriguing position battles in camp. Yeah. Right? Um, I would say if you're a team that's thinking you're going to win games this year, which I think they believe they're going to win games, yeah. and I think that's the attitude, is that we're no longer a middling bottom feeder hoping for a good draft pick. They want to win games. You don't go out and get you've been around there for a year. If you, we if have you both been around House Hall enough yeah. in the last couple of weeks, uh, inside the building, outside the building. They want to win some football oh, games. Yeah. And the one thing you could argue in in favor of Pettis is that he's a vet and he's done it before, and he didn't lose you games. Right now, <laughs> now on on the other side, you have a draft pick from your GM yeah. from last year. That's pretty that's pretty tough to cut a guy a year later who you spent a high draft pick on. Third round pick on him, yeah. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. So I think it, the hard part is right, Pettis. If he if he has a good uh, you know, three preseason games, I think Bayless Jones is okay. For sure. Uh, but I, I do think it's possible if he goes out there, Pat, and tomorrow you know, has a couple drops in the wide receiver action that he yeah. gets. He's going to get time, if, too. If he, <laughs> if he fumbles a punt return or yes. a kickoff, I think it's possible he, he could be released because I think the attitude is we're trying to win now and you are just not getting it. Yeah. I think that's possible. I, I, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I think the battle is him and Pettis because yeah. Tyler Scott's going to be here. You just drafted a kid wherever well, was and, a fifth round pick. They've He's, been raving about it, and they too. and they love him, right? Yeah. And and Matt Eberflus loves how how mature he is already. And so Tyler Scott's here, Chase is here, uh, uh, Mooney's here, yep. Moore is here. You would think they're Saint probably Saint Brown is here. 
So they're probably taking six in. It's going to be between Pettis and Jones. Pettis just the, the thing about Pettis is he's had the NFI. Yeah. He just hasn't been able to show you anything. Yeah. And so that's allowed Vales he, to shine. He, does have, he has tape though. He does. You know, and and he was reliable last year. You know, no, in, it, in the, in the more reliable game. than yeah, more reliable I mean, than Bayless for sure. He's not. <laughs> he's not explosive. He's not a game breaker. But and he's here he, for a million. Bucks. He's he's done yeah. it before. Yeah. So I mean, it is. That'll I think, be interesting. To see. I think it's certainly a storyline to kind of watch over the next couple of weeks during these uh, games in preseason, and then also like the the scrimmages with NFL teams to see how. Valus handles it. Would it would it be a surprise to you that even if Valus plays better, if they cut Valus? Yeah, I think if he does play better, I think that would be a surprise. Okay. I think it would because I think that it's a clear admittance to getting something wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's that we rarely see that. <laughs> it's also like <laughs> we rarely see, except except in San Francisco. San Francisco's like. <laughs> Trey Lance was wrong. <laughs> I mean, new GM. I I feel like first draft class. I feel like he's going to get a little extra leeway. Yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. What was uh, as we head into the second quarter? By the way, let's uh, let me make sure we do this. Brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. See Black Veil Bridges and BV on September twenty eighth at the Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Second quarter is brought to you by. Hard Rock Casino. You going to see VV and uh, yeah. you you gonna check right. them out? Front row. I I can see you there. <laughs> I can see you there. I can see you there. Uh, as we get into this second quarter, training camp wasn't all great, right? Like there was a lot of days we left just going, all right, that's it's not exactly what I want to see, but it's camp. It's early. But mm-hmm. what was the thing that you thought for sure we were gonna see in camp that you didn't see? What was your biggest letdown? Uh, biggest letdown. I'd say the biggest letdown is that at times it wasn't like I, w- I want to phrase this carefully because there were rave reviews of the defense yes but until Yannick Ngakwe was in camp it seemed as if the defensive line needed help now they got the help yeah. from outside but I feel as if inside the building they were hoping that something would happen in camp before they, they had to they wouldn't <laughs> have to make a move. Yeah. I feel like that's the way Poles was trying to slow play this. Uh they had to. They had the money. They got it done. He's in camp. They're, I think things are gonna be okay. I was a little surprised that defensive minded head coach and Matt Eberflus, you have all these new additions to the linebacker core. You have a secondary that seems pretty legit. Guys coming back. You add a rookie, a couple of rookies, and you hope they kind of turn out, but like Kyler Gordon. All right, rave reviews about him. You get the two safeties. Everything looks good there. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I like what he brings to the table. I'm surprised there wasn't like a standout defensive lineman yeah. from within that kind of marked his territory. Does I that think make we, sense? I think we got that early with Demarcus Walker, though, and then he ended up getting hurt. Yeah. We got it I like felt, that second week. It was like, okay, like, he's getting back there. But some of the, the reports from uh and you were you were at practice more because any of the days that we were there, we were broadcasting while practice right. was going on. <laughs> so like I couldn't actively watch. Yeah. It felt like the reports were talking up him talking trash more than him actually <laughs> making plays, which some feistiness out of defensive players yeah. I need. Yeah. Right. Like I have no problem with that. I just felt like people were like, Oh, look at Walker. He's now you know, MFing people again. He's, like, ye- he's yelling. You know, like he's, he's yelling. yelling. He's like, yeah. it's good. We need some feistiness from the defense, but 
He didn't stand out to the point where they're like, well, we don't need to go sign someone. Yeah. There was never a clear cut number one. There was never a moment where I looked at uh, uh, Demarcus Walker or Rasheem Green and said, I feel confident going into the season that that's our answer. Yeah. And the second, I will, to your credit, right? Yannick Ngakwe had, what, two practices before we we get to the preseason. And in those two days, we're literally talking about, wow, the defensive line is in the backfield. Yeah, and it it does go to they're not scheming, they're not game planning anything. It does go to that, but you know it's a lot harder for Braxton Jones talent's to step talent, out though. on Yannick and Talent, Talent's talent. Yeah, once you it know shows what I mean? up, you you see it. <laughs> you know, like in like I've been uh, I've been privileged to to be in a family that has Bears season tickets, and for years we would always go early and sit in the seats and watch the players warm up. Yeah, players with talent, high end elite talent on a football field. You know, there's 53 guys out there warming up on each side. So you got over 100 players. You can see it. Yeah. Like even in warmups, you can see the guys who are elite talent players. And I think Ngakwe is one of those guys. So no doubt in my mind yeah. that you're at practice. He shows up and all of a sudden, oh, now now other guys are breaking through yeah. because he's such a menace on that side. Well, and I think what it does is, right, you have to worry about him. And that's that's the one thing that excites me about coming into this season is – now I, I was just like, who's going to help these rookies get better? Because let's be real. I like Demarcus Walker. I like Rasheem Green. I like Andrew Billings. They're not the future of our team. No. I doubt they're going to be here for the next seven years. Right. The guys that should be are Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens. And we get two days in with Yannick uh, Ngakwe in there, and all of a sudden – Javon Dexter has a breakout day where he's in the backfield all day. Oh, yeah. He's knocking the ball. He's got yeah. TFLs, sacks. We keep we keep saying sacks. I'm air quoting all sacks because yeah. it's Justin Fields back there. But if that's Kirk Cousins, if that's Jordan uh, uh, Love, those are sacks. It goes both ways, right? So, like, they can't physically hit the quarterback. Yeah. So, the quarterback can get off throws that maybe in a game he can't actually get off because yeah. the uh, defensive player has to let up, right? But you're right. The moment Ngakwe shows up, now – uh, you see players in the backfield, hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got there. <laughs> like, I got there. I would have gotten you if this was a game. Uh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. And and I think that, like, from the tackles, Jones, Billings, uh, you have uh, the two Pickens and, uh, you and know, Dexter. Dexter. You have you have the two rookies. Hopefully, the rookies push the vets, and you get this nice uh, flow of four guys who can disrupt. Yeah. That would be huge heading into this season. My favorite thing when we had Javon Dexter on was it wasn't – for him, what he was talking about wasn't about getting to the quarterbacks. I asked him about sacking the quarterback. I kind of gave him a setup question. And he was like, well, which quarterback do you want to sack? He was like, I I ain't even thought about that yet. I was like, good, because if you said Pat Mahomes, I was like, great, you pissed him off now. That's what I mean. But what he said was, I'm just worried about that in the pocket. Yeah, and right. that's such an important thing in this defense. Like I don't think people think about that. Now that you have a Yannick Ngakwe, denting the pocket yeah. forces your quarterback to pick a decision. I'm going left or right. Right. I got to run into Yannick Ngakwe one of those ways. Those are the things that I like that we're hearing from these rookies. They're not sitting here trying to say I'm coming out and I'm going to be ten sacks this year. They're saying I'm just trying to help create pressure. Right. And it's something the Bears couldn't do last season at all. Well, pressure, and then they were gashed in the run game, oh, yeah. right? And so, and I think that's where Billings and Jones help a lot. Well, Billings more so. Yeah. Because Jones was basically in there by himself last yeah, year. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's where, you know, if you can deton that too, yeah. 
you're now looking at a defense that was like 32nd against the run. To if you could get to like 20 or like 18, yeah. Now that changes the way the game flows, right? Because now the offense isn't sitting second four, you know. Yeah. No, third and one every single third down conversion. It's easy when you when you offensively have to go against a defense where you know you're getting six yards per carry. Yeah. Like and that's where it all comes together then, right? The defense can get off the field, get the ball back to your quarterback. If he's patient, he knows he doesn't have to make a great play each and every time he touches it because once the Bears give it up, they can maybe get it back. I think everything with the team kind of works together. And I think that's where defensive line play, if they can improve a little bit, if Yannick can create some havoc, allow the young pups in the middle to kind of figure it out, I think it might have a chance to be pretty good. No, for sure. I'm I'm it's it's always a good thing when your biggest letdown gets fixed like two days before yeah, training yeah. camp. I was well, just right. like it's like this this has not been like, good. Oh, Yannick's here. This well, is great. It, it's also <laughs> it, I think it's um a tip of the cap to to Ryan Poles. Uh, and let me remove the baseball. It, it's a helmet sticker to Ryan Poles, right? <laughs> helmet go, sticker. Let's go helmet we sticker. Well, be, it, it really is because think about it. In this camp, there are very few positional battles. Yeah. Uh, we almost know exclusively all of the starters, all 22 almost. Uh, it's much, like yeah. 21, we know. Uh, there's a battle for the second cornerback spot, but I think we kind of know. Uh, it's, um, I'm going to tell you this. P.J. Walker hasn't been pretty. But no, cornerback. Oh, cornerback, yeah, cornerback. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, yeah, no, I was no. like, he ain't been pretty, but, but neither, no, no, neither no, Peterman. But yes, t- t- uh, uh, Terrell Smith and, um, and Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah, yes. like, like okay, that that's fine. But again, I, I think what – this kind of points to is that polls has upgraded every level of the team. Yeah. And when you do that, uh, you, I think that's where you get a camp where, you know, 13 practices in yesterday, there's really not a whole lot to worry about at this moment. Are they a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't think anyone's expecting that right now. I think we'll have some opinions off of what we see tomorrow. If the defense looks dead, yeah. no one's flying around hitting, uh, second, third string guys don't look hungry. Then we, we might have some issues uh, throughout the rest of the preseason. But helmet sticker, the polls, he's upgraded every level of this team. By the way, if the NFL allowed helmet stickers, that's the fix for the whole logo controversy that everybody's having. You get little bear helmet stickers and slap them on there. Is it a controversy? <laughs> Not really. I don't think that they're what, changing like, the bear. I don't. Like, like most have taken this so far. The, the bear logo, this this is not new. <laughs> this is not a new logo. I've seen this logo, what, since 91? You're not going to get this on the helmet, though. I don't want like it on that, the like, helmet. I, I kind of want it on the helmet a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Give me an alternate jersey. Give me a white helmet, bear no, logo. On it. No, 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 Let me no, get no. that. You can't do that. You're not, you're not a if, fan? If you're, if you're going to put any logo on the helmet, it has to be the old bear head. The 80s. I'll give you that. I'm not mad 80s, at the 80s the white bear head blue either. Yeah, I'm head. not mad at that. It give me just, something old school. Give me some kind of or, or on even the uh, uh, the football with the bear on the football, the uh, old like 1940s logo. If you got to do a logo on the helmet, I don't know. I don't like any of that stuff. So you don't this, like when they switch it up on you out of nowhere. Well, this is well, this is the charter franchise. Yeah, we have standards. 
I, if you are a team that doesn't <laughs> do need, we do we have stand Pat? It, if you don't listen, we're not Oregon football. We don't need all these gimmicks to get kids to be interested in our team. That's true. It's like I'm a USC fan. Yeah, USC will give you the same helmet each and every year, each and every uh, game. Yeah, same jerseys. They don't they don't mess around. The Bears should be the same way. It's a beautiful jersey. Yeah, the C on the helmet, yeah. the wing. The wings, uh, was it the the uh, wishbone C? The wishbone C, yeah. That should never change. If you want to do the the winged helmet like they have for the throwbacks before, right. that's okay because they actually wore that before. I don't need new age bears on the side. None of that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I like this logo. It's a good logo. Beautiful logo for behind here. me. For here. Uh, Just not on the helmets. In, in, no, it's in good. And, and if it's the primary logo, I, I understand why they have to clarify it for like um, marketing purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when companies use Bears uh, imaging for different partnerships or for uh, for putting together like campaigns like Nike when they have to make the apparel, I understand that they want that focused instead of the C. Uh, but as a Bears fan, I don't need that on a helmet. <laughs> you want that on a helmet? I, I want it on a helmet. I'm not going to lie. I like oh, the Bear man. logo better than the Wishbone C because I think it's more original. The Bear logo. But the Bears are the original team. Yeah, but the Wishbone C, we had that well after the Reds already did. We basically said, let's get that Reds logo and make it orange. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Chicago Cardinals had a C like that Didn't too. They? I think so. I think they yeah, do. It's like one of our historians in the chat well, let us know that. I don't. I don't remember the Cardinals because the Cardinals. Originally I do remember that. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. were here uh, as one of the original teams before they moved on to elsewhere, parts unknown, right? right. Uh, but but can we count them then? Is is the like we basically just took their logo then? Yeah, but I mean, uh, who had it first? Uh, the Packers or the Bulldogs? Georgia. <laughs> I think Georgia, technically I think the Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs did have it, yeah. had the G on the side of the helmet yeah. before Green Bay did. I don't know. I think I think the Bears helmet is a crisp, clean, perfect looking helmet. Yeah. I don't need something different. Listen, I don't care what's on the side of the helmet as long as wins are are involved in, in oh, whatever I've, it is. I've always Listen, had I could care less. As long as you're winning games in it, like put the C on there. You could put George Hallis's face on there, put Virginia on there. I don't care what's on the side of the helmet if we're winning games. You you notice that. <laughs> hey, you've noticed when teams win, the, the uniforms look cooler. Yeah, yeah, for that, sure. That goes for any sport, any team. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, when you have a team that's always a loser, you're like, yeah, those uniforms suck. But the moment they start winning, you're like, all right, I can see what you're doing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, all right. I just saw a documentary on like 90s hip hop and how the White Sox logo was revolutionized with it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, of course it was. Frank Thomas was there. Ozzy Gitt, oh, the yeah. team was winning games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course it did. And like, it, that was it, the it's, iconic one. It's simple. It's, you know, it's not. Yeah. It, like, I think that's why I wouldn't change. Yeah. With the Bears uniform. Hey, they, they, like the, the whole orange deal, the orange jerseys. I like the orange jerseys, though. Oh, I, I, now, here's the thing. I like the orange jersey look. I hate when they wear them because I think our record is like <laughs> one of the most atrocious records. That, just look at the record jerseys. with any of the uniforms the last <laughs> 20 years. Any of the new uniforms. <laughs> any of the jerseys the last 20 years. It hasn't been great. So... Who knows? This is true. You're making good points here. Hey, let's keep this thing moving along. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and rocking with us. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. We get the halftime. Halftime is back. Black. Yeah. We kind of just had a halftime segment pretty much. But anything that's going on, anything you guys want to push, promote, what's going on with Black and Abdallah? Well, so let's uh, let's uh, note this. Uh, Pre-game, 
for the pregame show, Black and Doll will be on before Bears games every four hours. So uh, tomorrow against the Titans, we'll start at 8, 8 to 10, before yeah. Sylvie, Lance, and Dion take over for the network pregame show on ESPN 1000. We'll be on for two hours. Uh, so four hours of coverage before every Bears game. And Pat, as you're a part of, oh, four yeah. hours of coverage post-game, oh, yeah. uh, the Bears radio network. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we've uh, filled in for Greeny a lot this summer. <laughs> uh, this upcoming week, Greeny is off again. Uh, so we'll fill in for Greeny this upcoming week. And uh, Black and Dahl at some point will probably return at night. Greeny's, Greeny's, Six just, eight. Greeny's just coming back right before the football season, isn't he? Like, like the day before, he's going to be like, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Mike Greenberg, Aaron Rodgers is back in New York, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, Baba, Hembo, Nuno. Yeah, Hembo, how's it going? Good to see you. Uh, yeah. I, uh, NBA? Wait, wrong show. Yeah, when, uh, whenever we uh, fill in, we fill in. Uh, otherwise, uh, Black and Dahl, week nine, six, eight. So, uh I always think that football season is the best time of year to uh, not only host these shows, but also I think for a consumer, uh, our listeners, people who love this stuff, I, I think it's 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 better because there's like a flow to it. There's yeah. a rhythm to the weeks. And I think if you work in this business, the best time to be doing this is during football season. There is no better time uh, than being able to talk football throughout the fall so I, I love it i can't wait for the fall um yeah so it's great so no, uh sure. we'll have the pre pre show tomorrow hey can't wait to listen in make sure you guys are tuned into the pre pre show i'll be on the post post game yeah pre pre so post, post, post we got pre pre post post you know what i mean <laughs> eight hours of coverage outside so, of the game it's so. so much foot like that's that's what i was I, I was literally i woke up this morning and because i was just busy recording yesterday. I didn't get a chance to sit down and watch like the Houston game. So no, I, I, I watch it. it CJ Stroud looked bad. Seven o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting here watching Houston Texans yeah. football. And I'm just like, this is really fun. He's going to play one drive of this. Uh, he I, did look horrible, but I'm not losing my mind yet. Everybody's like, he's a bust. I'm like, he looked horrible for, for four passes. I'm not going to lie. I stopped watching baseball like three weeks ago. So I've been watching the NFL Network's yeah. coverage of training camp every single night. So watching games last night was fantastic. I, <laughs> I'm all about it, man. It's uh, football season's the best. Yeah, it, it it is unmatched. I'll tell you that much. It, it's dominant. Let's keep this thing moving along. Head to the third quarter here because we got football tomorrow. As we've been talking about, eight hours of football coverage. Stay in tune with us. If there's one thing that you could see tomorrow that you know, okay, heading into this week of practice versus Indy, going into next week that looks like it's actually a real thing. What would that be? Uh, I think what would be great is if the offense opens up, marches down the field, 10-play, 70-yard drive, couple first downs, a nice chunk play to DJ Moore, some uh, moving bodies in the run game, picking up some easy first downs, running the football, and then a nice little uh, bootleg, oppo side scramble toss to a, a Tunyon in the end zone yeah. for, for six from fields, untouched. You know, one of those misdirections he, he scrambles <laughs> What's he up doing on, over there? yeah he you know he he holds the football in his stomach for that extra beat and yeah. then breaks out and then a nice little floater to Tunyon. i'd be i would say 
pack it in, fellas. You accomplished all you needed to. Let's get on the bench and wait it out for next week. And I'd say, like, all the concerns of the offense not gelling, I think that if you put together a nice, smooth, uh, flawless drive in the first preseason game, then none of the stuff that we were worried about last week, it really matters, you know? I heard something really interesting yesterday. Uh, Adam Johns was on with Waddle and Sylvie. Mm-hmm. And now, Pat, remember two days ago at practice, so it was practice number 12, uh, the offense was bad, and there were a lot of penalties. Oh, yeah. And they were struggling. A lot of false starts. Adam Johns on Waddle and Sylvie suggested that to him, it seemed as if the officials and Matt Eberflus were kind of in cahoots. And what he meant by that was that there were false starts called on the offense that put the offense in bad situations mm. and that the offensive players were looking around and Getsy was looking around like, why did, why well, did Getsy they... was, he was throwing some words at the yeah, refs. Yeah, I'm not right, going to lie. You right. saw it. And, yeah. and so he was saying he wouldn't be surprised if that was orchestrated because it was happening on third down. So yeah. it was like third and seven. They would call penalty on right, false start. They would all look around and go, he didn't, what happened? And then now it's third and 12. Yeah. And now Justin and Getsy and the offense have to adjust what they were originally mm. planning on. So there have been reports that the offenses look bad. Uh, sluggish. It has. I'm it, not. I'm a not couple gonna, of times. watching it. The last, I would say, two practices I was there, it looked, it looked like what Getsy said. It looked like they were like, we're trying something completely new today. Let's go out there and do it. And I'm wondering if Eberflus was intentionally stacking the deck against them yeah. in some of these situations to challenge them for the pre the rest of the preseason and then the season. So like. You know, if they go out and against the Titans, you get a couple of false starts and things look sloppy. Yeah, they, it didn't look good. Right. And it's worthy for concern. But if they go out there, look kind of flawless, look like a good uh, offensive unit. I think that that would be the best situation from it. For me, the one thing I'm looking for, and it kind of goes to what you're talking about still on the offensive side. I just want to have an answer on the left side of this offensive line. I have no answer. Braxton Jones been getting cooked. Like he, like he has, he's, he, he has, he's been getting cooked, but he's been able to recover from it. But against guys like Yannick and Gakwe and, and defenses that you're going to see, that's not going, you're not going to be able to do that, right? You yeah. play Miles Garrett here. If you get cooked and you recover against Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett has another counter move to get away from you again to get to your quarterback. Braxton Jones. Tells us he knows what he needs to work on. And I understand it takes time for linemen to get this in order. I'm not saying he has to be a finished product right now, but you're coming into a season where, like you said, they want to win there. A big part of them winning is the left side of your line not being a question mark. And to me, I left preseason going, or I left training camp going, I, I don't feel like he's great. I feel like he's what he was last season. He was usable. He was suitable yeah. to be out there at left tackle. Yeah. I wonder if he played 17 games last year. I wonder if he's able to just stay healthy. If you have valid concerns, but I wonder if the other side of the line improves enough that that's something that Luke Getze can kind of manipulate with 
scheme. Yeah. You know, like you throw an extra tight end over there that chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why you went out and got Mercedes Lewis. It yeah, is. I, I wonder if that's something that is certainly a concern right now, but I wonder. You can give him some help. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah. And I think since he's a young player, certainly there's time. I mean, having Tevin Jenkins next to him, I think helps because I think they got something out of something that they weren't expecting to last right. year. So hopefully you get that same level of improvement throughout this upcoming season from both of them. And like maybe it is stable and, and they play well. It's yeah. possible. That's that's my hope because I think here's here's the situation that realistically you could be in. I think you've got to ride with Braxton as far as you can. But if you get to preseason week three and he still looks like he's having those same issues, can you roll into the season with him? When you've got a guy who, I don't know if people remember this, we drafted as a left tackle. Tevin Jenkins at left guard is a left tackle. Yeah. And was yeah. good the few times we saw him play that position, but the injuries, of course, take away from him. Can you trust him there? So I just I I I wonder that. Like, I want to see Braxton do well. I like that Braxton was durable last season. That's a very important thing on this offensive line, seeing this how Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins have been in and out of there. I mean, Nate right. Davis, we haven't seen much of in there. Lucas Patrick is going out as well. But I am very concerned by that left side of the line because I was coming into this season saying the side that I would attack, because at least on the right side, Justin can see it. Yeah. If I got question marks over there, Justin can see what's coming to him. We saw Jay Cutler basically just get killed for years because yeah. they never could fix the left side of the line. Was he making bonehead plays oftentimes? Yeah. But a lot of that is coupled with the fact that he's getting killed on that left side every time. I think I think being the number one rush offense last year also helps with that, right? So like if you know Big if you're, if you're gaining <laughs> Yeah, well, he's still there. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's not like uh, I I would prefer less design runs for Justin, but it's not like the legs aren't going to work no, for theoretically sure. if he's healthy. So, you know, I think some of that is you focus the offense around running the football, tough nose, uh, you move people on the offensive line forward, gain yardage, shorter uh, yardage for passing plays. And and I think you'll have less of Justin having to take a seven-step drop yeah. and then have to wait for someone to get downfield 14 yards before he can throw. And that amount of time that Braxton Jones has to be perfect, basically. usable yeah, yeah, yeah. shrinks, right? And then so it kind of all works together, right? So like, if Jones and Jenkins can rush block well, it theoretically could help yeah. against a pass rush. No, for sure. And and I think that's one thing where he did thrive last season. When when he's able yeah. to just go forward, yeah. he's a big, strong guy. Yeah, right. He can move people out of his way. Right. And so and Jenkins is Jenkins, a mean dude, Jenkins man. Is it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> I love it. It's like my favorite thing is uh <laughs> Brian Poles when he was out with Waddle and Sylvie. He was talking about kind of some of the guys on the offensive line. He was like, we got some pricks, man. Like, yeah, well, like these good. guys are not. Well, it's football. Yeah, you know I mean, like he was like, these guys are not. Yeah. On the field, I, like they're great guys, but on the field, they are not nice people. I, I and want, I love that. <laughs> I want my football players to have an edge. I want my rock stars to be a mess. Yeah. You know, like no one like, you know what I mean? Like everything in today, like pop culture, everything's like pristine yeah. and polished and, and yeah. performed and everything on Instagram is perfect. Hey, you know, a football player, you want a little edge to yeah, him, a little well, grit, right? Sure. That's what I want. I I I agree. Like I I want the guy. The one thing that I love that Ryan Poles has done is remember the year before, 
he shows up here. Who was the turnstile we had at right tackle? It was uh, he was from Seattle. He was a high pick there. We brought him in. He was he was basically oh. useless for two and a half years. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't, I can't even think of his name. But the comments will have it. He he literally Tevin Jenkins goes over, tries to is protecting Justin for getting hit out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he comes over to him. He's like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you? You can't do that right now." And it's like, "Hey, you just hit your quarterback." But how about we show a little? little love for the guy who's possibly a franchise guy. Right. We're not going to have any problems with that this year. Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright. Cody Whitehair is always ready for a fight. I, I like that. You know, That's what Braxton, you need, man. Braxton Jones is the is the the voice of reason, I feel like. And I feel like he's just going to run and be like, could you guys get out the way? Like, Remember <laughs> yeah. when Shaq like, was going over there to help Kobe out of a fight, or Rick Fox out of a fight? He's pushing half of the Rockets team left. <laughs> like, That's what Braxton Jones is yeah. going to be in that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Totally. It's going to be interesting to see. As we close this thing out, finishing out the fourth quarter here, we now get to see what Ryan Pohl's team is going to look like. But before we see that against real competition, how would you grade the job that Ryan Poles has done this offseason just off of what we're seeing on paper? We were a three-win team last season. I think we could have been better if we keep people around. But the turnaround we've seen has been pretty massive, and we're in a good place with the salary cap. I don't see how you can answer this question with anything less than a B plus. I'll give him an A. Um, right, like he could have signed some higher profile names, but he got players who produced in the past. And I think that's what kind of changes my idea for like what they can accomplish. Edwards and Edmonds, the linebackers, have both been accomplished players in this league for winning teams. 100%. You know, uh, Darnell Wright, as your 10th pick, you get the guy that you want by moving back and getting something else for. That is a smart move. Moving out of that first pick to get DJ Moore. DJ Moore is an accomplished player with room to grow. Yeah, There's a chance that DJ Moore has the ability to step into that top 15 wide receiver conversation. That's pretty great when something that we pointed out all last season is that your quarterback doesn't have a number one wide receiver, yeah. and you go out and not only get a number one wide receiver, but he has room to possibly turn into someone who's a you know top-level wide receiver. So, Can he at least make the NFL top 100 next year? Yeah. Like, I my mean, God, I, I was hope. confused by that list. Um, <laughs> Uh, players i mean <laughs> josh jacobs at 10 or whatever right like are you serious miles garrett has 16 sacks last like season. really he's the, he's the 22nd best player in the league and, and i love jalen hurts he's not the third best player in the NFL. i was uh, i was i was wild he's really good that was a wild one i've been on the the hurts train uh since he was at bama but come on now that ain't it um so i i'll give him an a because he addressed Every single concern yeah. heading into the offseason. Offensive line, they got better. They signed someone, they drafted someone. Boom, check. Wide receiver. You acquired a wide receiver through trade, and you tr you uh, drafted one. Okay, check. You uh, mark that off. Defensive help. You bolstered the defensive line in the draft and for free agency, even though it happened just a week ago. You, you did that, and... Linebackers, you totally revamped your linebacker room. Uh, you got guys that Eberflus is more comfortable with yeah. the style of play. For okay. sure. 
check, check. You got it. He essentially, every single step of the way, uh, he addressed the issues we had with this team. I think that's an A. And in the moment, you have to give the GM a credit for doing so. Now, if the, all the moves don't work out, we can revisit it and yeah. say, you know, uh, in hindsight, DJ Moore was good, not great. In hindsight, the draft picks didn't really work out. In hindsight, uh, the, it didn't it didn't matter for the linebackers. You overpaid for linebackers when the defensive line couldn't stop them, so it didn't matter. Like I'm sure there's ways we could poke holes in this sure. and look back on it, and will. <laughs> but in the moment, <laughs> as a Bears fan, like what else could you ask for? What are you upset because he didn't get Justin Jefferson as your wide receiver? Like, like for what's available, he accomplished like the best you could do in the situation he was in. Like it's. It's pretty impressive what he's done in the last like six months. No, and that's that's the thing for me, right? When I look at this team, I'm I'm sitting here, I, I'm I'm in surprise because when Ryan Pace did this, right? We we had this same style of revamp with Ryan Pace. We were at a point where we said, Well, you've got to win the Super Bowl because if you don't, we're going to be bad for five years. We did not win a Super Bowl. He, mor- he mortgaged the future. That's <laughs> he mortgaged happened. the future. Yeah. Mitch, Mac. You you bet it all on these guys. He paid Tar- Tariq Cohen, Tar- Tariq. a gadget player. Hey, listen, I, I'll tell you this: I I love I love Tariq Cohen. Why? But when that deal came through, love Tariq Cohen. I just I just I love Tariq. Why? I just listen. He didn't play enough for me to not like him. That's the problem, right? He didn't play enough for me to not like him. But I love Tariq Cohen for just the gadget plays that he was out there. He wanted Yikes. to play bigger. Like he was he was cool, right? But it was one of those where it was like. Oh, you're just paying guys you drafted. Like you just, you just like this guy. Like you're not even paying him because of production. You just really like him. But when Pace did that, we thought we were going to be bad. Like I thought there was no shot we're competing by this year when Ryan Poles showed up last year, until he traded Khalil Mack and got them to take the money. Then I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, we're in. Like this team is built to possibly be a eight win team. If things fall right, maybe you're talking nine, ten. I don't know if we're there yet. We'll yeah. see. But we're talking about that. And next season, it's, it's, if we need to make moves, we can. Yeah. And, and we got draft cap. And it'll be 10 or 11 next yes. season. And like that's where you see the progress. And I think the other thing that I've noticed, the difference between the last front office and this one, is that they're paying for players who have done this before at this level. Yeah. The last guy was paying unknown players (laughs) big contracts to hope they turn into something. Yannick Ngakwe has credentials. TJ Edwards has credentials. Tremaine Edmonds has credentials. Uh, Even Nate uh, Davis Davis, on the the line has credentials. There's concerns about him not being at, at practice in camp. He's played though. He's going he's to be able while. to slot in if yeah. once he's healthy. So and go. I think that's what's different here is that this GM had the money. He didn't just go p- find the highest priced free agent and sign them. And didn't he went and him. signed guys that fit their system who have done it in the past. Yeah. And I think that's what's that's what feels different about this than previously. Because you're right. Because we knew. You made the move for Khalil Mack and loved it. I you got to go now. You got to win. This is it. You yeah. have to win now. And and, like, and the year that you made the move, you you won. You you competed. You went out and fought, and you doinked it all away. Right. Which it is possible, Pat, 
that with the approach that we have in this offseason, the Bears might very well get to that same point this season that they were in when they saw the double doink, is that there is a chance, yeah. like you said, that they could get to 10 wins in a division where I don't buy the Lions as the Super Bowl contender. I think that's crazy. So much overlove and and the the <laughs> sexy team in the offseason never turns out to be the team in the season. So <laughs> Remember, listen, I, I it said, is possible I, that this team could get to 10 wins, yeah. get a wild card yeah. game, lose in a wild card game. For sure. And you're at the same exact point we were at when we thought the Bears had a Super Bowl contending team. It is possible. For sure. I, I mean, and that's the thing about football, right? It's it's there's well, everyone's 500. You, you so got to go everybody's there's, 500. There's two or three right? bottom feeders. There's two or three championship-level teams. Yeah. Everyone else is in the middle. The Bears are back to the middle. The, and that's, that's what this season that's is. That's what this season is. They're getting back, back to, the to the middle, maybe getting a little bit more, right? But, like, I don't – it's it's like you said about the Lions, right? Like, the guarantees that people are making on some of these teams, like, what we're guaranteeing as Bears fans realistically is mediocrity. Yeah, nine and eight yeah. feels great. If we finish the season nine and eight, yeah. I'm high five and yeah. we're excited. We'll be home of the Bears. We're losing our minds on the radio. All of that, right? There'll be a lot of downs, right? You're losing eight, nine games. Yeah. There's a lot of games and a lot of things to fix, but also you're right in the mix. But like Lions fans are just like, we're gonna win twelve games easy. Please. And I'm like, I haven't. I Please. don't think I've seen you win twelve games. <laughs> like, I think one year Matthew Stafford got twelve wins when it was him, yeah. Megatron, and then right, like they made the playoffs. They lose in the playoffs. They think they're gonna go. Dallas, I want to say right? they added Reggie Bush that next season, maybe, yeah. and they won six games. Yeah. So, like, just prove to me that you can win two years in a row. That's all I'm looking for. Before you, before we start beating our chests. And yeah. listen, Bears, same thing. We're all, we're excited. We can all oh, be yeah. excited. Let's prove we can win two years in a row. Because the one thing that I think that Ryan Poles is doing that sets us up different than what I, I think the last 20 years of GMs have done is I don't think that this is a pop-up team. No, it will be something where they'll get to a point and then you'll build upon it next year and your championship window is essentially Three the, moment, yeah. the moment you commit to fields with that next contract. Yeah you're really going to have to maximize those first couple of years while he's making that new money. Because you're going to end up having more like, pieces out. Yeah, like yeah. the sweet spot would be if you were ready this year. Yeah, The sweet spot is you get a quarterback at the end of his first deal making the money he's making, and you can win before you have to extend them. Yeah. So theoretically, the year to maximize is next is, season. Yeah, 100%. So if you get a, a surprise year here, you got to run with it. And that's why they went and signed Ngakwe. That's why the vibe is they're trying to win. Yeah. They know where they're at with this quarterback. They want to sign him. They want him here for the long term. There is the the out. If they're in the off chance, it doesn't work. They yeah. can re refigure it out in the offseason with the draft, with the Carolina pick, whatever it is. But um, essentially, if they can win this year, get close, and then go for it next year before you have to sign or you know, however that works with fields, that's the sweet spot. Yeah, and if you know, you go into the draft completely different. To me, if I know Justin Fields is my quarterback of the future, those two first round picks are going for Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, okay. Sure. Bet we're building our offense up. 
We know yeah. he's got it, but we're paying you. Yeah. We're going to go get you another young wide receiver who's going to be controllable on, on a right. good contract for four years. Well, and think of it this way, Pat. Um, if you if the answer to your question on you know if Fields is a guy, yeah. that would mean that DJ Moore had a hell of a year. Right? Absolutely. So now you're adding someone in a wide receiver that's expected to be great on the next level to a guy who played a, played great. Yeah. Now, now we're talking this could be an offense that – top in the NFC type of thing. And all of a sudden, either Chase Claypool or Darnell Mooney are your number three. Right. And, <laughs> you know and, I mean? and like, just the guy now, who's like, can I just trust you? Can now, I just? <laughs> you know, the optimism is, okay, this could be one of the now you're teams. Yeah. Now yeah. you're the bank. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you – and then it's, it's, it's essentially what Philly has accomplished, right? You trade for A.J. Brown. You have Smith already that you drafted. You have a quarterback that came to his own. You have all the other pieces. They're ready. Yeah. They're in their championship window. Let's see it, man. Let's see it. Let's hope that this is the year that we get to see it. But it all starts tomorrow. Preseason is here. We're going to be breaking it down over on ESPN 1000 all day. Black on the pre-pre-game show. We got the pre-game show with Lance, Dion, and Sylvie. We got the game itself. We've got the post-game show with Yurko and Peggy. We got the post-post-game show with me, Meller. And uh, J-Mac, Jason McKee, going to be in the building as well, who's also on the sideline. J-Mac, the hardest-working oh, yeah. man here, he's going from the game to the studio. To, That's to awesome. You, you guys are going to have fun on the post-post oh, game my God. show. It's, That's going to be a great time. The post-post, please, call in. It's literally just all callers. We're also going to yeah. be interacting with the YouTube comments. Y'all know I'm not going to forget about y'all in the comments section on the live, so tune in with us on that as well. We're going to have an absolutely great season of football, and it all starts tomorrow. For Chris Black, I'm Pat the Designer. Bear down, Chicago Bears podcast. Peace.